Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome friends to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I am the host of the podcast and I'm here once again with our lead belief therapist, founder of No Heart Left Behind and my favorite, my mom, Abby Shields. Glad to be here. So today we have been working through a series called Teens and Tweens um, and parenting during this stage. You know, we started off talking about the familiar stranger, um, which are our like middle school preteen, kind of where I am right now. Yes. And then we have now moved into parenting teenagers and while that can definitely be a very challenging season you know if you take some of these tools it, um it can also be a right I, parenting teenagers i think a lot of it has to do with your attitude just on not being afraid um, learning to let go a little bit by little bit. Um, I remember when you and Steven were teenagers and I loved it. We had so much fun and just enjoyed watching you grow into your own person. And I think that that's the purpose of teenage years is watching your child grow into the adult and the, their own parent. That, and that's your job as a parent to teach them to become their own parent. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, one, another element that makes parenting the teenage years um, special is just, I think it refines you a lot. Like the Lord uses that season to refine you because you're having to do things like trust and give up control and turn them over because the whole time they're not like our kids are not our kids. They're, they're they're God's kids. Um, but when they're little, I think it's kind of easier to hold the false belief that they are our kids <laughs> because we control a lot of, you know, the thing, the aspects of their lives. Right. And I think that's one thing mm-hmm. that's so hard about parenting teenagers is you just come to a place where you realize you do not have control. And I mean, you've never had control but you could lie to yourself <laughs> that you had control. Um, I do want to read. And so, you know, as hard as it is for us as parents, it's also really hard. As a teenager. As a teenager. There's this great quote. Um, 
and I don't know who it's by. I'm so sorry. But it, uh, it says this. It says, raising a teenager is hard, but being a teenager is hard too, which is why our kids need someone they trust to lean on, to come to for advice, and to share their lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Having a front row seat in our kids' lives is a far better place to be than sitting on the highest bleacher. Absolutely. And, and to be able to be on that front row, it, that's one of the things we want to talk about today is it's the communication between you and your child that will keep you on the front row or depending on how you see them and how you see the problem, you can either move towards your teenager or move away from your teenager. And the same thing will happen with them. They're either going to move towards you or move away in a balanced way. Yeah, and some of the, and so I'm really ex excited to jump into what we're gonna be right. talking about. Because I think one thing about the teenage years is, and why it has this, I don't know, stereotype around it that it's so hard, is because there's a lot of tensions going on. There are different paradoxes. So what comes to mind, and I think you've said this in our previous episodes, what initially comes to mind that makes this season seem difficult is the fact that parents have the fear of losing control, like we just kind of talked about. But our kids, our teenagers, have the fear of being controlled. Right. So that that's the that's the tension is that parents want to control their children, their teenagers, and teenagers are at that point where they they don't want to be controlled, and that's the push push back that you see in teenage years. Yeah, and and then also you have a bunch of paradoxes going on with kids during this age. They, um, you know, because it's like they're. They think they're adults, but they're not quite adults. They want to be adults, but they're not quite adults. So what are some of those paradoxes that you feel like really play into making this season with teenagers a little bit more challenging? I think one of the biggest ones, because their brains are not totally developed as of yet during the teenage years, is that they can be very impulsive. Yes, I was learning in my class that... Not only that, that um, the brain development going on when kids are teenagers, they're going through a complete rewiring right. of their brain. Right. So at times they're impulsive or they seem impulsive, but then on the other side, they can show signs of responsibility, which sometimes amazes you because you think that the only brain that said that they only have one brain cell and they're operating out of that instead of being responsible. So that, that can be an issue between parents and, and teenagers. Um, Another thing that I think is that they can be apathetic about an issue that you deem important, and uh, but they can be passionate about things that you don't deem important, causes that are subject to um, situations like the poor, the puppies, whatever they choose to look at as far as what they care about. You got to care about what they care about because yeah. otherwise they're not going to think that they matter. Another one is that they vacillate between still being dependent. That's where I say there's still little kids on the inside, but on the outside, they, they also want to try desperately and aggressively to be independent and that can cause problems between parents and kids. And I think the hard part is is like you don't know which situations they're gonna Right. Like sometimes they really um latch on to you and, you know, 
they they kind of show themselves as the little kid but then so you kind of start going with that vibe and then like in a split second now they're like oh I'm too cool for school and <laughs> I got this and I'm an adult and I don't need you and then you know we're like what? <laughs> yeah, I, and I and I think one of the biggest ones is um, in 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 the paradoxes between you and your teenager is that what they value because they're starting to develop their own values and what they value is different than what you value and you try to push your values on them they're going to push back and rebel. Yeah, you know. So because there is you know, everything we've talked about, that these paradoxes, this tension about gaining and losing control, um, I would imagine that communication and conflict resolution probably become pretty important during this, during the season. So that is really where we want to camp today in this episode, is focusing in on communication, conflict resolution, what that looks like during this season. Absolutely. Because in communication, our teenagers don't always move towards us. But, and you know, they don't say, oh, thank you, mom and dad, for that wonderful advice. But it's really important to understand that communication is a protective factor for your teens. They need to feel safe because their life is changing all around them. And the home should be that place where they feel safe to be able to come home and express and not be criticized for their communication. And to have, but at the same time, to have it be respectful on both sides. You know, the parent being respectful in their communication to their teenager and the teenager being respectful. I can remember I, one time I was taking my son, Stephen, to school and he did something and I came unhinged and started totally yelling at him. I can't remember what for, but I do remember his response to me and he said, Mom, why is it okay for you to yell at me, but it's not okay for me to yell at you? Wow. And I and he had a point. Yeah. And um, so my son taught me a lot of these lessons. That I... <laughs> so if I'm understanding you correctly, what you're saying is that communication, the way that we talk to our teenagers, helps to create that environment where, where, they, where they feel safe. Where they feel safe. Or going back to the quote that we read at the beginning, helps us to kind of keep that seat on the front row right. in the bleachers. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I need to hear all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start there. Let's talk about what does communication need to look like during this season um, of parenting teenagers? A number one rule is to stay calm. Right. Unfortunately, our teenagers can push our buttons, but it's important to stay calm when communicating with your teenager. Now, if you start to get angry, because we can, because remember, anger is an emotion that gives you the illusion that you're in control. And that's why there's so much anger between parents and teenagers. They want to be in control. You want to be in control. But if you start to get angry, take a break. Step back and say, let's revisit this in 10 minutes so that you don't have that roaring lion inside of you come out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was really good at the roaring lion. I was, I, believe me, um, 
I learned a lot about what I know by what I did, and I was not a good communicator to my to my children. Um, but God has healed all of that, thank goodness. Yeah. So, so, so staying calm. Okay. Right? okay. Um, what else? Then listen actively. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> try to understand your teenager's perspective. You know, get out of your perspective and try to listen and listen to what they're saying. Listen to their heart. What do they really mean? Ask those questions. So tell me more. What um, what does that make you feel like? That type of, of uh, questions. Because I think sometimes when we're listening to our kids, instead of like really listening to them and listen and li- searching for their heart and where they are, we're already formulating our rebuttal or our response. And so we're not actually listening to what they're saying. We're not hearing their heart. We're figuring out the way to win the argument or to be right. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I'm on my does? own <laughs> with that. But um, that is one thing that the Lord has really shown me is that when they're expressing all of this emotion and these big feelings that um, they're sharing their heart with me. And instead of getting angry or frustrated or feeling like, well, that's stupid, mm-hmm. um, just listening Listen. right. because it, it tells you a lot about where they are. Right. And, and there's a quote out there. I don't know who said it, but it says that um, hearing is vibration of the eardrum, but listening is vibration of the heart. Wow. And that's what you want to listen with is your heart. Don't listen with just your ears and hear their words. Hear their heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So another one, and this is, I, I alluded to this already with Stephen's story, but be respectful. Because if we want them to respect us, then we want to model that to them. Yeah, we talked about modeling last episode mm-hmm. and how important that is yeah. right so, now. So avoid using a condescending tone or talking down to them because you're the parent and they're the child. Listen, but then be respectful. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so many things. Uh, be patient. Um, that can be a hard one. Yeah. And um, I, I talk about this word love and um, how the fruit of the Spirit... The that every every fruit of the spirit flows out of love, and so patience is love waiting. In other words, because you are loved by God, you then are going to be able to be patient with your child because of God's love for you, but then your love for your child. So patience is really just love waiting. Don't get don't get in a hurry. Take your time, that type of stuff. Yeah, I feel like in order to, um, I guess, live, walk out some of these things that we're talking about in communication, you know, these are tools and these are um, encouragements. But I think we have to even go bigger that in this season, I mean, every season, but really in this season, just our connection to the Lord and our relationship vertically with Him is is what we need to focus on because if we're getting our fill from Him, um, that we're getting filled up spiritually, emotionally, that we are in a place where we are trusting 
the Lord with our kids and all of that, that needs the most attention in order to be able to, like you said, exhibit the fruit of the spirit to our kids because the fruit of the spirit, it's not our fruit. It does not just happen happen in us like that we can just like spit out some patience here and there <laughs> like it's the spirit's fruit so if we're not connected to the spirit and whatever that looks like you know i mean if that looks like a quiet time if it looks like prayer it's like i mean whatever it looks like for you as a parent to remain connected to the spirit that's how all of this communication Flows because what's the scripture that talks about um, out of the heart the mouth speaks? Right. So that's in Proverbs. Yeah. So if we are what our heart is filled with is what's going to come out right. to our kids. So maintaining the perspective and the focus of the you know we have to be um, connected to the vine right. in order to be able to do any of this stuff. It's not just something that we can muster up. No, and it's not a bibbidi-bobbidi-boo kind of thing. It's a, it's a process. But I think one of the scriptures that helps me in my communication, whether so that I can remain calm, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, where it says, We have been called to be Christ's ambassador as, as if God himself were making his appeal through us. And so I take that job, that's what our job is as Christians, and I take that job seriously, to did I represent, did I radiate Christ to my kids? And one of the areas that we always look at is, what are the words that come out of your mouth? And so if the words that are coming out of your mouth are words for lifting up, not tearing down, and words that uh, can console or encourage, those are the types of words during this period of time. Yes, there's going to be times when the words that come out of your mouth will be for teaching, but ultimately, at the end of the day, a way, a way to ask yourself, when, like when you go to bed, is to say, did I radiate Christ to my children in my communication style today? And that's so important. Yeah. Let's, um, while we're here talking about communication, because I think this is a little bit, I guess maybe just a, a little bit of a different avenue um, in terms of communication. And it's this idea of having the hard conversations. Um, because I think, again, what becomes difficult during this season is that the stakes get higher. I mean, there are difficult conversations to have during this season. I mean, starting even in the preteen years about, you know, sex and uh, where babies come from. Uh, I drugs, think about alcohol. drugs, alcohol, relationships. Um, these days, you know, gender and, you know, what that element brings into everything. So there's just so many hard conversations that I think sometimes... As parents, it's just maybe easier to ignore. It. Ignore, um, but really, this is where communication comes in. All of those things that we just talked about to use in hard conversations. Why is that so important? Well, in order to be able to have those hard conversations, you've got to be able to 
create that culture in your home where the easier conversations, those all those things we just went over, being respectful, being patient. If you create the culture of safe, they're going to be a little bit more open to approach that. Now, you as a parent have got to decide what are your values and what do you want your children to hear in these hard conversations. But ultimately, to create that culture where you're able to Talk about those things and don't, I, th I think in today's media blitz and to the social media stuff, I think we leave a lot of that to just go on social media and try to find out the answers to that. Yeah, because I mean, you're right in that they are going to get their information, like they are going to navigate yes. this in one way, shape or form. And whether that's social media, whether that's their peers, all of that. And if we are not if we're not communicating with them about these subjects, somebody else is going to be communicating with them about these subjects and they are going to learn and get their perspective from somewhere. So I remember when my kids were really young, you telling me that not to duck away from these hard conversations because they will learn it. It right. just, it depends on where you want them to learn it from. Right. But a part of having those conversations is, like you said, being able to create an environment where the kids feel safe to have the conversations. Because if they don't feel safe to have these conversations, they're not going to share. They're definitely not going to share it with you. Mm -mm, not yeah. at all. Excellent. Yeah. We have mentioned many times just creating this culture in our home where our kids feel safe. Now, when we're in the topic of communication, um, we've talked about different things, about listening and being patient and all those kinds of things. Is there anything else that you feel like is vitally important in creating that safe culture in your home when communicating with your kids? One of the biggest factors uh, in communication that can get rid of the safe environment is criticism. Uh, because when you criticize your child, they can become defensive and then it everything goes south. To criticize your child is telling them that they're not enough, that they don't matter or they're not good enough or whatever it is that their heart hears. And so really be aware of not criticizing your child, but <clears throat> lifting them up, encouraging them. All those things that I've talked about earlier is that um, it's important to do, but criticism, I think, is one of the biggest factors that can cause your child to become very defensive and then push. Because it's, it's human nature that when we get pushed or criticized, we're going to push back and try to defend ourselves. Yeah. So I do have a have real parent uh, question here. So say you're in a situation where you disagree with, you know, some choices that they're making or methods in which they're, I don't know, handling school or whatever, whatever those situations are where parents tend to criticize, like where you get in there. So how do you have that, those discussions without criticizing, but I don't know if it's even just having that open dialogue about the concerns that you right. have. That's the word So what does that say. look like? Yeah, it, well, the communication needs to start with you saying, I have a concern about this, to let them know that you're concerned, but you want to know more about the why as to what's causing them to make these decisions. 
And ultimately, remember, you as the parent have the final say. And sometimes teenagers aren't going to like the fact that you have the final say. But if they can understand your reasonings behind it, I have a concern about this choice because the natural, have you thought past into the consequences of these choices because, and one of the things that I always told you and Stephen was, is that the choices you make today are gonna affect your tomorrows. And that was a, that's a big thing to remind them that if you choose this, there are going to be consequences. Or if you choose this and go down this path, then you'll be choosing the rewards. And so it's important to let them to approach it from that perspective. Yeah. Would you feel like, so it, it's not so much about not sharing those concerns, but the the tone, the tone and the way you do it, use it like the words that I heard you pick up on or that I heard you use were, um, I have a concern as opposed to, well, you're doing this wrong or whatever. Yeah. Um, other words I heard you say were choices, right? you know, because again... Right. And then also, I mean, I, I think a big statement to say to your teenagers is help me understand because they are coming from a totally different perspective than you are. And so help me understand your perspective and why you're making this choice. Yeah, that's a huge one for me. Yeah, that's good. Because, I mean, it is so easy to be critical. Mm -hmm. And that's where and then and I think what else you're removing there is shame. Absolutely. Because they they become so defensive because like you've talked about a lot, um, they, they feel shame. Right. And so um, being able to use language that doesn't invite shame into the conversation, right. I think is a lot more productive and creates that safe environment that we're right. talking about. Right. So um, good stuff. So when... Because obviously we're not going to do this perfectly. No. <laughs> I mean, it is totally easy for us to sit here in, sit the, here closet. in the closet um, and, you know, give these principles and stuff like that. But we're not going to do it perfectly. So conflict's going to arise and mistakes are going to be made. So let's get into just conflict and conflict resolution by maybe starting to talk about what are some of these hot topics that you see um, cause a lot of tension between parents and teenagers. And I will help you with this list if you need help. <laughs> I, well, there's, there's lots of them, so we don't have time to go into all of it in this one podcast. But one of the things I want to say to parents of teenagers is, in conflict, it's really important that you learn to pick your battles. And so I think that's why I want to encourage parents to, to say, okay, these are this is a list of some of the things that you can get into conflict with your teenager. And that's going to depend on each home. You know, this is not across the board. Some people are going to go, I'm not going to fight about the phone. There's other people that say, we're going to fight about the phone. It depends on you know, what what battle or what mountain do you want to die on? So some of those are, I think the one of the biggest ones is, is curfew, is that um, I think that's a classic topic for parents and teenagers because the teenagers can't understand why, what do you mean I can't be in at two in the morning? We always used to fight over curfew. We did? Yes. <laughs> well, I, th I think the reason that we fought over curfew was because when your brother 
got to the age where he was able to make his curfew, I never worried about him, but I always worried about you. Right. <laughs> and I think it goes to your point, though. It's knowing the heart of your child. I think that's a good way to decide what hills you're supposed to die on and what ones you're you're not is that you know does this involve my child's safety right um and that's what happens if the child doesn't come in at that uh, that time that you've set and they go past curfew they begin to worry yeah and when they begin to worry and the child walks through the door they're so relieved that the child is home because they had them dead buried and on the side of the road but when the child walks through the door 15 minutes to half an hour late and you're worried, you're, that worry is going to turn into rage. because <laughs> And that's when they get screamed and yelled at and be told that they're not being responsible and everything. But, um, you know, I don't, it, I think it's to every parent's decision as to there's no set time that when you're a sophomore, you're, you come in at this time. That's something that you and your child and discuss, that, that it's not just set in stone, but that... And you let your teenager have input into curfew and why they think, you know, and then for you to say, you know what, I'll trust you on this. But but as far as curfew is concerned, that's why the preteen years, if you want your child to respect the curfew when they're teenagers, you want to begin to give them small curfews like, and I see you doing this with Jack when he goes down the street to his friend's house, you say, sweetheart, I need you to be home by five o'clock. And so then... If he chooses not to come home by five o'clock, then you can teach him this is really important. You need to be home at the time mom says and tell him because I worry and I begin to be concerned about your safety and all of that. So. Yeah. So, you know, because there's like you said, there's so many different topics that, you know, tend to be issues during the teenage years. Things like messy rooms, chores money, grades, <laughs> I think the boyfriend-girlfriend thing, we could probably camp on that one for a little bit. Um, and then also, you know, the the religious values, or I think that's one really tough area is that this is a season where their faith... They're, de they're de developing their faith. Yes, and it's, and it's kind of their, becoming their own, and they may not have the same priorities and values um, as you do at that time. And, and so it's hard to like trust God with their, um, with their decisions, yeah. with their, with their focus. But yeah, I, it's really important that, especially during this time, as they get older, you, and especially as they, as they get older, it's important for them to develop their own faith. And that's what I always, I mean, that's why I, what I ask you is your faith, your faith or is did you, is your faith in your the things you believe because I forced it on you and I told you you had to do this at this way and and that's when faith goes out the window and they, they begin to rebel and say I, I don't believe in God or whatever just to if just to try to have control even to shock you to say I don't like your God or I don't want to have anything to do with your God that's where it's so important for communication to understand that and Listen to their heart. And all those other things we talked about um, can help prevent a lot of conflict in this area. Yeah, so 
what I, what I would like to do in this in this time is okay, taking a look at some of these things like curfew and the cell phone and the noise and the boyfriends and the girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. And just look at some guiding principles around handling these conflicts. Like, so what, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that tension of giving them freedom to make choices, but also setting boundaries around it too. Absolutely. And and the other thing is having, letting them have a say. That's why I'm a strong believer in family meetings that at least once a month or every other week you sit down with your teenagers and you discuss things like this that ta- and that they can have input into it and for them to be able to feel that their voice matters. That's a biggie in, in teenage years is that they want to be heard. And hearing means, or listen, listening means listening to their heart. Yeah, so that open communication right. when it comes yeah. to dealing with these issues that cause a lot of conflict. Um, what else is important in dealing with some of these high conflict um, areas? Um, I think it's important that you set clear expectations um, because they, even though they're teenagers and they want to be in charge, they still need to have that safety net to be, to not be feel vulnerable or not to believe that mom and dad aren't there for them and stuff. And so set your clear expectations. Um, make sure you're teenager understands the consequences of the choices. If you choose this, if you choose not to come in at such and such a time and you go over that, do you understand that you will be choosing the consequences? And then you give them the consequences. That the con- You let them know what they are. If you choose to come in past your, con- past your curfew, you will then um, have to come in the next time you'll, or you'll lose your, you'll have to come in at nine o'clock instead of midnight or whatever. So set those boundaries ahead of time. Yeah, I think you've touched on it because I use that even now. I mean, I don't have any teenagers, but I you use, will. I know, <laughs> I use um, that principle even now as a parent. I, it seems like a little thing to set the boundaries and inform them of the consequences ahead of time it seems like a little thing but it just it makes it more of a choice for them so on the back end if they make a bad choice and they don't follow the guidelines and the boundaries that you've put around it it's not I don't know it just turns it from me giving them a consequence that they were unaware of to okay I knew what the consequence was ahead of time. I chose this anyway so that when we go back and we revisit the poor choice they made, the responsibility is is on them. Right. And what's that phrase that, well, I mean, I would say it because I know it by heart now, but tell everybody what you say when... When, when your child... Well, yeah, when, when the child has made a, a bad choice. Okay. <laughs> Well, God says this to me, too. What happened? These are the three most important questions, I think, in parenting, because you can use it at any age. What happened? What would you learn? And what are you going to do different? And and to be able to guide the direction. and But just to keep them, because teenagers are going to want to blame you, okay? And you just need to keep saying, I'm sorry you made that choice. You knew 
that if you chose this, you would be choosing the consequences. And I'm sorry you made such a poor choice. What happened, what we learned, so that the next time you won't make that poor choice. Okay, because discipline means to teach. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yes. Not to hurt. Or punish. Yeah, well, then that's what punishment is. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. And, and then in all of this, in your discipline, be consistent. I do find that's the hardest <laughs> part, is that if we are going to lay out these expectations and lay out the consequences, the hardest part sometimes is the follow-through. Right. Because, like... Perfect example, um, my oldest, last night, um, we kept asking him to take out the trash. That's his chore. And we asked him, we probably asked him more times than what you would, yeah. but we asked him at least two or three times and he didn't do it. And he said, well, can I finish watching this show and can I go take a shower? So that's that place where it's like, okay, you know, we're giving him parameters and and ability to, I guess, decide when he's going to take. Yes, yeah, decide when he's going to take it out. So, but we said, okay, that is fine. But our boundary is that we are not going to remind you anymore. And if you choose to forget or not take out the trash, you will be choosing the consequences consequences which is that you will lose xbox for x amount of time and he's like okay and so he goes about his day and sure enough he forgets to take out the trash i knew he was going to forget to take out the trash because he just he can be forgetful sometimes um and so when he was going to bed i it was the hardest thing to say hey buddy you forgot to take out the trash and unfortunately, that means that you lose your Xbox. And it's doubly hard because his brothers get to play Xbox. Mm -hmm. And so that was really hard because you want to give them these grace. outs and these grace. But that's, you're not. You're not teaching them. You're not teaching them if they can. You're, what you would be teaching them is, I can get out of this. Mm -hmm. Or the consequences aren't real. So then when they become an adult and they don't. That's how they handle life. That's how they handle it. So, but being consistent and following through is so hard sometimes. It is, especially moms whose hearts are big and they don't want their babies to suffer. And, you know, that's okay. Let's try again next time. And you, there are going to be those moments. You don't have to be so straight-lined and hard on your child. I mean, you can give them grace, but... You you let them know that this is grace. And the other thing is, is that you want them to learn the skills necessary to be able to be their own parent. And so, so I'm sure he was rather upset about it. Or did he handle it pretty good? No, he was. Well, he actually, he, of course he was upset, but he, he, he knew because that's, you know, we try our best to lay out the consequences beforehand he, he's gotten to know that he has no one to blame except himself like so over the years I've seen less and less it doesn't mean he doesn't blame us but um, I have seen him less and less blame us and more just take responsibility, take responsibility. for what what he's done right. and then um I think another good thing to um, 
another another good thing to take care of or to use for parents is natural consequences. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about what those are and what that looks like? Well, there's all kinds of natural consequences. It depends on what the infraction was or the poor choice that they made. I can remember um, Stephen once again. So you were the perfect child. Uh, yes, I was. <laughs> See, it's on record. <laughs> Take that, Stephen. <laughs> Stephen would, when we he wanted to stay up later um, and have a later curfew, a later bedtime, I said, fine, you know, what time do you think? And he said, this a certain time. And I said, all right, great, no problem. Uh, but here's my boundaries. If you choose not to get up in the morning when you're alarm, I don't wait. I never. I, when you guys got to teenagers, you had your own alarm clock. That's a that I can talk an entire segment on what you don't want to do for your children, which is wake them up in the morning. This is the time where they you have a, you give them an alarm clock and you make a big deal out of it and you say this is going to wake you up. Well, anyway, Stephen said fine and i told him the consequences will be right the natural consequences so he didn't wake up he missed the bus what were the natural consequences because i wasn't just going to let his mistake interfere with my day because i wanted him to learn there are consequences for not getting up on time so the cons he missed the bus that was the choice that he made the consequence would be then that i you can either call a taxi cab and pay the taxi cab the money that it would cost to take you to school, or you will pay me $5 for my time and driving you to school. So guess what? He, I think that was the last time he ever missed the bus because he wanted to hold on to his money. And you, you kind of get him, the natural consequences is what, what do they value that is going to be taken away? Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, and you can you can apply that to grades, grades. You know, like if they choose not to study and then their grades get poor, the natural consequences of that is they they get held back or they don't they lose their extracurriculars because they can't right. be on the teams or whatever. So I I feel like using those natural consequences um, as an ally <laughs> is is always a good thing. Right. And then I think, you know, as we wrap up, what do you think is just as important, like when we're talking about discipline and conflict resolution in maintaining that safe environment that we started off talking about? Because, you know, doing all this discipline stuff can be, um, it can be, I don't know, it can, I mean, it can drive a wedge if you're not right. sensitive to the the dynamics going on in the relationship. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in that aspect, it's positive reinforcement. I think we have a tendency to focus on the negative and go on and on and on about the consequences and how stupid they were or, you know, that was a horrible choice. But to give them positive reinforcement and to reward, catch them doing something right and make a big deal out of it and, and to praise them and... Um, especially when they meet your expectations or they achieve the goals that they've set for themselves. That's important. But I think most of all in all of this, for you as a parent, you are to lead by example, okay? 
Um, if you want them to not drink and drive, then you darn well better not be drinking and driving. If you uh, don't want them to be angry and be disrespectful, then you not be angry and disrespectful. That's huge, is for you as the parent to lead by example. And then also, too, like with the cell phones, like if you don't want your kids to be on the cell phone all the time, this is a big one for me, and I shouldn't be on the cell phone all the time. So it's it's very humbling. Um, and then I think, too, what is, what is also important in just maintaining that safe environment where communication and conflict and all of those things can exist, but um, still have a good relationship with your teenager is the word I'm sorry and forgiveness. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes we think as parents that maybe because they're the kid, like this hierarchy, they're the kids and we're the adults that so we don't have to apologize to our kids, but just the for them to see what it looks like to be human and to see their parents admit their faults when they get angry, when they, right. you know, don't, because we're not going to do this perfectly, how far it goes to humble, humble yourself. yourself and apologize to your kids when you've messed up. Yeah. Because we will mess up. Yep. Humility is huge. Yeah. You know, and so um, praying for y'all because teenager years is, can be the worst of times, but it can also be the best of times. And so that's my prayer that you all will step back and, and enjoy your teenager and watch them grow from this child who's coming into teenage years to at the age of 18 or 19, moving out and being able to take care of themselves. Yeah, it's great. It is great. Yeah. Hey friends, we hope that you are loving the podcast because we absolutely love helping to equip and empower you and your family to thrive with practical tools based on Christ-centered principles. In fact, we love it so much that over 17 years ago, No Heart Left Behind became an official 501c3 nonprofit organization so we could make supporting families with the Word of God and the love of Christ our full-time mission. Locally, we offer affordable biblical counseling as well as various family-focused events and programs like this podcast. And we have been able to do this solely through supporter donations. So if you would like to support the podcast or the mission of No Heart Left Behind, you can donate by visiting our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com backslash donate, or click the donate link provided in the show notes. 100% of the proceeds go to ministry outreach and operations, which includes keeping this podcast coming to you on a weekly basis. Any support is a blessing, so thank you in advance for partnering with us to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. Thank you.